Easter, we began reading from the book of 1 Corinthians. We started with 1 Corinthians 15 because that's the capstone of the whole book and helps us to see what Paul is writing about to his priests near as he's writing back to his folks who do not believe in the resurrection and whose lives haven't been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. So he says, live like resurrection people. There's several places where he says, this isn't right. You're not getting it right. You're living like people who don't know anything about Jesus. And your life should be very, very different because of the fact that you have become a resurrection person in him. So today we're going to read from the second chapter. In fact, we're going to read the second chapter of the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. So if you will turn in your Bibles there with me. Remember last week as we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we saw that uh, Paul was talking to them about broken relationships. We've all had to deal with broken relationships. And Paul told them that's not the plan of God that you have broken relationships. Resurrection people don't settle for broken relationships. Resurrection people reach out in love and mercy and find healing, if it's at all possible, find healing for broken relationships. But he didn't finish his discussion about broken relationships in chapter 1. It actually goes from chapter 1 to chapter 3. And chapter 2 is stuck in the middle. In some ways, if, as we read it, you might think, what has this got to do with broken relationships? In fact, I'm not sure what Paul's saying here at all. But it's an amazing chapter. It has, has brilliant truth, the revelation of God for us. So let us open our hearts to receive the Word of God for us today. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. See, we're starting right in the middle here. It's just carrying on from what he's already saying. He's not starting a new topic. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written... What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him, these are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? 
In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. There's the point of the whole chapter. We, we who are resurrection people, we who are followers of Jesus, have the mind of Christ. So did you understand all of that? He packs lots of things in and goes here and there, and he doesn't always explain exactly what the connections are. But today we're going to try to understand what he has said to us. And this, he's trying to get us to understand something very clearly. Being a resurrection person is having the mind of Christ. So what does that mean? Do you think that you have the mind of Christ. So we, I want to start out just to clear the playing field a little bit. I want to start out with what resurrection living is not because some of us have ideas from different places and we think this is what it's all about. And no, it's not. What, these things don't fit into what this chapter says at all. So first, the life of a disciple of Jesus is not having a list of rules for living and being so disciplined about these rules that our life shows obedience to all of them. Now, most likely you have tried this at some time or another in your life. I certainly have. Some days I was more successful than other days. Some days I failed miserably. That is not gives to us. It's easy steps for successful living. That's not the gospel of Jesus at all. So, it's not a list of rules he's talking about. When it comes to broken relationships, it's not. Here are eight steps to follow, and if you do this, broken relationships will be healed. That's not what he taught anywhere. But we're going to find out what it is. Second thing, it is not. It is not basing my decisions on my feelings. Don't base your decisions on your feelings. You can't trust them. Oh, they're very real. You've got to feel the feelings you, that you have, but you've got to talk to your feelings too. It's not a crazy thing to do. You've got to analyze them. Are these valid? Do these tell me the truth? Some days I have feelings and I say, well, that's the way I feel right now at this moment. But that is not the end of the story. That happens to be today at this moment. Maybe this afternoon I'll feel differently. Certainly a week from now I'll definitely feel differently. 
So I'm not going to make decisions based on how I feel because I can't trust my feelings to accurately reflect what's going on. A third thing, resurrection living is not basing my, my decisions simply on my circumstances and what they look like. Resurrection living is way bigger than our circumstances ever are. And yes, circumstances sometimes loom large. And circumstances sometimes seem impossible or undesirable. But the power of Jesus Christ is greater than any circumstances you or I will ever face. So it's not basing our lives, our decisions, our choices on circumstances. And it's not living for self-fulfillment, self-realization, self-actualization, or anything else for self-centered purposes. That's not resurrection living. Jesus said, people who live that way are going to lose their lives. So what is resurrection living? What does it mean to have the mind of Christ? Well, first of all, it's about being a transformed person. Now, sometimes we think about things and we say, transformation sounds like a good deal because I don't like everything about the way things are right now. But while I might say that, I certainly want to be in control of the transformations that are taking place. There are some things I don't want Jesus messing with in my life. I want a few things made more to my liking. But Jesus says, that's not what transformation's about. Transformation's about transformation. The old has gone, the new has come. Here is what Paul wrote in another letter to the Corinthians. He said, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. I learned this verse for the first time in a different translation and it said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. A new creation, not a, well, I'll keep this, fix that, Jesus. This, this is fine, just leave it alone. This over here, do some transforming there. No, Jesus says, the old's gone. If you're going to follow me, if you're going to have the mind of Christ, if you're going to live resurrection living... The old is gone, the new has come. That's what he's talking about when he said repent. It means turning loose of the old and turning around to the new, even though we do not fully understand what the new's going to be. It's trusting him. So, resurrection living, the mind of Christ, it's about being a transformed, new, different person, and we're not in charge of which pieces get transformed. It's trust in Him. And why wouldn't we? We've encountered His love and His mercy. Now you look around this room, there might be some people here that you say, well, I'm not going to trust them, at least not 100%. 
And you might be very wise in making that decision. But to ever say to Jesus, I'm not going to trust you, not 100%. Why would we do that? Because he loves us and wants the very best for us and knows what is the very best for us. So we trust in him. Second thing about resurrection living, resurrection living is how we think. It's thinking like Jesus. It's thinking the thoughts of Jesus. It is having the mind of Christ. Now, I remember the church once came to me and said, Pastor, you talk too much about how we think. Well, number one, I just want you to know faith is thinking. And we live by faith. It's what the scripture says. So faith is thinking. It matters very much how we think. They said, just give me the steps. I just want the steps. That's what Paul is saying. It's not about here are the 12 simple rules for having a resurrection life. It is a moment-by-moment -moment relationship with the resurrected Lord. So are there some things that are definitely not a part of the resurrection life? And you maybe never will lie again. So resurrected life is not about keeping 12 easy steps. The 12 easy steps aren't all that easy anyway. Resurrection life is having the mind of Christ. That's what Paul says here at the end of this chapter. We have the mind of Christ. If we have, listen to this. You probably didn't think you'd hear me say this. If we have the mind of Christ, we don't need any rules. Because we have Christ himself directing our decisions, our words, our actions. We're listening to him and saying yes to him. Do you understand what I mean? Resurrection life is all about what Jesus is doing in us. Keeping rules is all about us working hard. There's a difference there. So that's why Paul here doesn't say, look here, this isn't the way resurrection people behave. You're supposed to do this, 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 and this. No, he says, you need the mind of Christ. When we think the way that Jesus thinks, we know what is the truth, and he enables us to live correctly, to live with wisdom. His wisdom. You heard a lot about wisdom in this chapter. The world thinks it has wisdom. The world are those that are in rebellion against God, the ones who do not live resurrection life and don't trust in Jesus Christ. He said, you have the wisdom of this world and of the rulers of this world. They think they know how to make things happen and what, what works and what doesn't work and how to, how to do life well and be a success. And you know exactly what this is like because you work with some people who follow the wisdom of this world and of the rulers of this world to get ahead and get what they want. And you don't trust them. And you shouldn't trust them. 
because they're not operating by the wisdom of God. They're operating from the wisdom of this world. So he talks about wisdom. He says the mind of Christ is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. You, you know, many of you know, uh, that the beginning of the Gospel of John starts out by talking about Jesus as the logos, the word of God. It's very closely related to this concept of the wisdom of God. In fact, one of the names that Jesus has is the wisdom of God. So I've been in a beautiful church called the Church of the Divine Wisdom, the Hagia Sophia, built by a Roman emperor to honor Jesus, the divine wisdom. And so he says, the, the mind of Christ is the wisdom of God. It's been a mystery. And it's still a mystery to an awful lot of people. Most people base their decisions their, upon their perceptions, their life choices on what they think is going on through their senses or their circumstances or their emotions or their experiences. That's what he calls the wisdom of this world and of the rulers of this age. Instead, we need to base our lives upon the wisdom of God, which is how things really are because he's the one who made all that exists. All human attempts to discern this wisdom have been futile. And Paul, at this point, he gives us verses 9 and 10. Now, an awful lot of people think verses 9 and 10 are all about heaven. Well, it's quite evident if you read through the chapter, Jesus isn't talking about heaven. I learned it in the King James Version. I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for those who love him. And it's easy to say, oh, Jesus said he's going away to prepare a place for us, so it must be about heaven. No, that's not what he's talking about here. He is saying God has had a plan to deliver us from the futility of our rebellious lives and give us the mind of Christ, transform our lives. And he says, it's astonishing. You can't imagine what this life is like. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. He's talking about the fact that God gives us his Spirit, the mind of Christ. And it is such a remarkable, liberating, astonishingly uh, transforming spirit that we say, I would never have thought, I could never have imagined the goodness of the life that God has prepared for us as his children filled with his spirit, with the mind of Christ. So, he says, 
God chooses to give us his wisdom, true understanding, true understanding of God. He gives that to all who will repent, who will turn to him instead of themselves for knowledge and for wisdom. Do you want to know God? He tells us exactly how it happens that a person can actually know God. He says, nobody really knows you but you. Nobody knows all of your thoughts. Some of you have been married to someone for a long time, and you know an awful lot about them. You know an awful lot about them. But you don't know everything. They're the only ones who know it all. Isn't that true? Is there anyone who knows everything about you? Paul says, no, there's not. I think you'd agree with that. He said, same way about God. Nobody knows everything about God either. No one truly knows God except the Spirit of God, God himself. He says, so you got that in place in your minds? You, you get it? Then he says, and God gives us his Spirit so we can know him. Now that ought to astonish you. You say, well, I've heard that many times. It still ought to astonish you. God wants you and me to know him. That's his desire. We probably ought to all stand up and shout and clap our hands and and act a little crazy at the wonder of such a thing. God wants you and me. We were rebels. You remember who we were? We didn't want much to do with him. We wanted him to fix the things that we didn't like and leave us alone otherwise. And we did some pretty unpleasant things. when we were in rebellion against him. And he wants us to know him. Him, the one who gives existence to all that exists, the ruler of the universe. The song called him the high king of heaven. He wants you and me to know him. And so he gives us his spirit. And since we have his spirit, we know him. And so he says, so we have the mind of Christ. We can know the thoughts of Jesus. His thoughts can become our thoughts. He says, this wisdom of God is, is considered foolishness by those who refuse to receive the Spirit of God. They base their reasoning on their senses and emotions and circumstances, not, about, not upon the one who is the source of existence and truth. 
the only way prize God, who makes him. So how do we receive the Spirit of God? Do you know? We should, because we just got through reading through the Gospel of Matthew and hearing what Jesus said. He said, repent. Believe the good news that the kingdom of heaven has come in Jesus. Deny ourselves. Follow Jesus. So many of us here today would say, well, that's all happened in my life. That's where I am. Then you have, you have the Spirit of God. That's just a part of it, if that's true in your life. And he is sharing his mind with you, and he's talking to you. Now, I know some of you say, well, I never hear him. I don't think he talks to me. He might talk to you, Pastor Mark, but he doesn't talk to me. Some of you have told, told me that. I understand that. But you're wrong. How do I know? Because I know him, and he's talking to you. Paul says here, he wants you to have the mind of Christ. He is talking to you. Now, you may not know how to hear him, but that doesn't mean he isn't talking. He talks to us all. He wants us to hear him. Remember, Jesus said, some have ears to hear, but they do not hear, eyes to see, but they do not comprehend. And sometimes we, from the time of our rebellion, we made up our mind about so many things so rigidly that Jesus talks to us and we don't hear him because We've already made up our minds about some things. Those are the kinds of things he wants transformed, by the way. So, how do we hear him? Well, there aren't 12 simple rules, but I want to give you some suggestions. You implement what you think would help you to hear him. So I would suggest to any person, first of all, to start reading the New Testament. The New Testament was written by the people who were eyewitnesses of Jesus, people who knew Jesus when he was walking on this earth. Eyewitnesses, they knew him. So they wrote down what they knew from knowing Jesus so that we would have it so we would know once they were gone, so we would know. John, in 1 John, he even, he's writing to some people who said, John, you're just an old-fashioned fuddy-duddy. Leave us alone. We want to do our own thing. We have a better way of approaching God than what you have told us. And John tells them, no, you do not. You are completely wrong. I knew Jesus I lived with him. I know him. And what you're saying is not him. You're wrong. It's not just make it up however you want it to be. So, I, the eyewitness, am telling you, and if you don't listen to me, then you're not following Jesus, you're following something else. That makes sense, doesn't it? Doesn't that make sense? 
So that's why we look to the New Testament. Some people say, it's such an old book. Well, that's because it's been a few years since Jesus died on the cross for us. So these are the people, these are the eyewitness testimonies about what it means. So we start with the New Testament. And this is what I would suggest to you. Read it not in a hurry. You got the rest of your life, okay? It's not a contest. Who can get through first? It's so that we can meet Jesus. So read it a verse at a time. And think about that verse. What does it say about the mind of Jesus? Who he is? How he makes decisions? What he values? Ask yourself, is that different from the way I make decisions, the things that I value? Is that different from the way I think about things? If it is, there's something in your life you need to let him transform. So we need to repent of the error in our thinking we need to thank God for new understanding that he wants us to really know him and accept the thinking of Jesus for our future thinking. And if you're saying, I got to read a chapter a day or two chapters a day, or we're on a race in my small group and we're going to see who can read the New Testament first, you're not going to take time to pay attention to what is really going on. So just slow down and listen to it carefully. And most of us need something to really imprint it on our mind. We're all made differently. But here's something that works for many people. It may not work for you. It works for many people. Then write down what Jesus is showing you through the eyewitnesses. Write it down somewhere. It doesn't have to be in some expensive book. You can write it down on a scrap of paper. You can, write, you can go to the, the dollar store and buy a stack of her journals. She wrote books, not spiral notebooks. She, she'd get books. People would give her books. I still have a stack of books, empty books that people gave to her as gifts because they knew she, she did this, and she didn't even get around to writing in some of them. So, uh, so you, can, you can do it that way. And there was a, a section that I knew she had written, and I went looking for them and couldn't find them anywhere. And I thought, well, it must have been so private. She didn't want us to find them, and so she knew she was going to die. So she, she uh, destroyed them all because she didn't want all of us. I mean, it wasn't written for us. It was written for herself as she communicated with God. But guess what? I found them this week. I'm still in the process of cleaning. I think that must take decades <laughs> going through everything. I found them. I was so surprised. They weren't where the rest of her journals had been. So Friday, I got ready because I knew it'd be emotional. So I, 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 I got ready, and Friday's my day off, and I said, on Friday, I'm going to sit down and read one of these. And I did. But you see, uh, the reason I say that, it's, it's 
It imprinted. She wrote about what God was doing in her life, what he was teaching her. And for many of us, if you make it come out of your fingers writing, it's a different experience than, okay, all you computer people. It's a different experience from doing it with computer data entry on your keyboard. It is, I don't know why, I'm not some great psychiatrist, so I don't know how it all works. I just know it's different if you write it than if you, even if you type it. But if you're not going to write it, type it. It's okay. What works for you? So, you may say, well, the things Jesus is dealing with me about as I'm reading his word are so personal, I don't want someone to know about it. If writing helps it to really imprint on your mind, then write it down and shred it. I had a friend who used to write things down, and an enemy got hold of it. And he faced some very significant problems because his private conversations with Jesus became public. It was at that point that I started shredding all of mine. I thought, I'm not getting in that mess. This is between Jesus and me, and it's nobody else's business. And I'm not perfect, so if all I'm going to write about is perfect things, and when I'm writing it down, it's not much use anyway to me, and Jesus won't be very pleased. So, decided I'm going to be honest, and then you shred it. If that's what you need to do, do it. And maybe you don't need to write anything. The point is, how are you going to get this imprinted on your mind so your mind and your thinking becomes the mind of Christ instead of your old stuff that came from the wisdom of the world. Jesus wants us to know him, to have his mind, to think his thoughts. And as we think his thoughts, our lives are going to be resurrection lives. They're not going to be like the wisdom of the world. They're going to be like the kingdom of heaven. So Paul, right here in the middle of his discussion about broken relationships, says, the real problem is you're not listening to Jesus, my friends, the Corinthians. And so you're not treating people the way Jesus would treat them or the way you would treat them if you had the mind of Christ. You're not living like resurrection people. You're living like those folks you work with. So he said, you need some transformation. So let the Spirit of God transform you. One last thing that I would recommend. I'm recommending it because of my own stupidity and mistakes. When you hear, as you're reading the Word, when you get some new insight, talk it over with some, some follower of Jesus who is your mentor to help you know if it really was Jesus talking to you. Because you can get all kinds of ideas. I've done it, and I've shared it with people, and they said, Mark, you misunderstood. Which was a good thing for me to find out before I went tearing off down some crazy path, causing destruction. So share it. That's why we have a community of faith. In the, the early church, they did 
this whole follow Jesus thing together. So none of us knows at all. We all need to hear a word of wisdom from some other people from time to time because, okay, you people who are married, have you ever misunderstood your spouse? Oh, we'll change it and make it an easier question. Has your spouse ever misunderstood you? We misunderstand sometimes. So together, we help each other understand Jesus better. So do you have the mind of Christ? He wants you to. He wants you to. And it's not this goal way out there, hard to achieve, hard to get to. He wants to just give it to us. But we have to become willing to receive it, to hear him. One last thing, new small group. I checked this out with Nancy Martin, our small groups director. I said, will you allow me to do this? And she said, you're asking me? I said, well, yes. You're the director of small groups. I'm not the director of small groups. So yes, and we're going to have a being discipled by Jesus small group. And we're going to learn in the small group how to hear the voice of Jesus. So I don't know that you should be a member of it. Everybody shouldn't be kind of a large group, wouldn't it? Everybody shouldn't. But we're actually going to, we're going to meet regularly. I don't know when. We'll find out when we know who wants to be a part of it. We'll figure it out together. But we're going to meet regularly, and our purpose is going to be to be discipled by Jesus and to learn to hear his voice as he speaks to us in our lives. So, if you are interested in finding out about that or participating in that, here's how to to get on the list. Take one of the Get Connected cards out of the chair in front of you, put your name, your email address, and your phone number on it, and hand it to me. And I don't care what age you are. I don't care if you're 110 or you're 15. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. It's just a group of people who want to be able to hear Jesus and need some help doing that. Some of you hear Jesus very well and you know that and you say, I don't, that's not what I need in my life. I understand that too. But some of us really struggle there and he doesn't want us to struggle there. So that's why we're doing this. So if that's what you would like to do, if you feel that's what Jesus is urging you to do, then now you know what to do about it. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask for your blessing. We know that you are merciful to us and that you, you astonishingly make yourself known to us. So we know that so much of the time our thinking has come from worldly wisdom and we have made some some disastrous mistakes. We want resurrection life. We want to have the mind of Christ. We need you to teach us and transform us 
and give us your mind. So we ask that as we go from this place out into the world where people operate by worldly wisdom all the time, may we bring your light, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.